Just a little example of how sometimes we can kind of uh, trick ourselves into uh, what we think we need and what we want, and how that gets a little confusing. We've been uh, doing a series on the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, which was a writing that appeared in the times of the kings and the story of God, uh, where uh, God established a, a kingdom on earth and with uh, kings, and, um, but yet there was a foretelling of a future king, a perfect king. And uh, in the record of the kings in the, in the Old Testament, we see imperfect kings, yet there's foretold of a king who would live forever, uh, that, that king being Jesus. And today, uh, in looking at Ecclesiastes, I want to look at uh, the writings that are here, uh, but look at them through the eyes of King Jesus and to gain a little perspective on it. We've been talking uh, and, and looking at this because as a church, we're trying to gain perspective on things that are eternal and things that are temporary. And sometimes those things that are temporary, uh, because there are things that are seen, we uh, get a little befuddled by them. And uh, it, it works us up. But it's not just about things and stuff. There's some things that happen that complicate our situation. And it has to do with a thing called time. And just as uh, Katie was sharing with the kids uh, the words from Ecclesiastes, there's a time for everything. So what I'd like to do, I'd like us to start out by reading uh, a few uh, verses from Ecclesiastes. And again, uh, we're trying to help our people here get used to... Uh, uh, using their Bibles, and uh, I know that uh, it's a little dim in here. I know some of you might have it on your phone, uh, but even if your Bible is on your phone, you still have an index, and you got to figure out where is that darn Ecclesiastes on there. And uh, so if you got your Bible, you turn to the middle of it, and uh, usually it falls open to Psalms, and then you go a little to the right, and you'll find Proverbs after that, then Ecclesiastes. And so that's where we're at, and I want to start with, uh, last week we talked a little bit, uh, chapter 1 and chapter 2, Solomon's kind of thesis statement saying that everything is meaningless without God. And uh, we looked at some of the pursuits that he went after, uh, pursuits that we see people today still going after and saying and, and, and examining those things and saying, ah, they're just, they're not sound. There's nothing solid about them uh, unless God is involved with them. And so today we're moving on and, and adding the element of not just things and pursuits, but time. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Ecclesiastes 3.22. So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? The future. And I saw that all labor and all achievement spring from man's envy of his neighbor. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Well, just from those statements, chapters 3 and 4, here are just a few summations from those verses. One, there is a time for everything contrary to maybe what many of us believe. There is a time for everything. Two, there's nothing better for, the, for us than to enjoy our work and to do that work with peace and tranquility in our hearts. But there's a little adversity, a little challenge to that, to doing that, and that, that we get tricked into it. Our own nature tricks us into spending a lot of energy in keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, I just want to make sure everybody, in, I know we've got several generations here. Do, do you all know what keeping up with the Joneses means? 
All right, some of you don't, so let me just explain it. Just, and it's all right if you don't. It's, it's an older term. But it's just the idea that Jones is a common name, and there, there's in America, and there's this idea of the American dream, but pursuing certain things of the American dream. And, well, the neighbors who most likely have the last name Jones, well, they're a little further ahead in, in pursuing and acquiring a bit of that American dream than you. So there's this thing of, oh, i got to catch up. i got to keep up with the rest of society around me. That's keeping up with the Joneses. So, and then the last thing that presents a challenge to us is that we can't see the future. We just don't know what is ahead. And sometimes that creates a little apprehension in us. So we want to believe that there is time for everything, but we can't see the future. It makes us apprehensive. We want to do our work with joy and peace in our hearts, but sometimes we get caught up in chasing to keep up with everyone else in possessions and achievements and positions. So when we're caught in the tension between these things, we call it anxiety. We call it worry. And anxiety or worry comes from a false thought. It comes from a thought that hasn't really occurred. It's a thought that's out there. It's a could be, but it hasn't come to pass. It's, it's a possibility, but it isn't because it hasn't. It's a strange little thing, this false thought that can cause worry and anxiety. Uh, let me give you an example of this uh, with David, who was uh, the father to Solomon. Uh, he was a man known as uh, going after God's own heart, and he got caught in this tension of anxiety. If you look at 1 Samuel uh, 27, verse 1, right before uh, David is about to become king, David is still on the run from King Saul, who uh, is, is pursuing him without reason and wants to kill him. And David thinks to himself, one of these days, I'm going to be destroyed by the hand of Saul. The best thing I can do is escape to the land of the Philistines, our, our enemies, and then Saul, he's going to give up chasing after me anywhere in Israel, and I'll slip out of his hand. Now, David's thought, it wasn't an outlandish thought. He and his band of 400 men were being pursued by Saul, who put a price on their head. But the thought was a false thought because he had no grounds for thinking that God's anointing him to be king by Samuel was intended as an empty, unmeaningful act. God did not anoint David as king and then to just let him die. David was going to be king. It was going to happen. On no occasion before had God ever deserted David. You know, David had been in a lot of perilous positions before, and every time God delivered him. God had sent David many various trials in his life up to this point, yet in every case, the one who sent the trial also provided the way of escape. The one who sends the trial provides a way of escape. David couldn't put his finger upon any entry in his journal that said, ah, you know what? Here's evidence that God is going to desert me. Because look, he, this happened here in the past. He couldn't do that. There was no entry like that in his journal. Because everywhere in his journal, it said, God was faithful. God delivered me again. God helped is my helper. Over and over and over again. So God had not left him at any time. 
Yet David accepted this false thought, a mistrust without cause. You know what? If I stick around here, I'm going to get killed by Saul. And it's all over. What had David done in that moment? What did David do in that moment when he accepted that false thought? At that moment, he was like every one of us. Every one of us. He couldn't see the future. He wanted to know what was ahead, but couldn't see into it like God does. And at that moment of fear and anxiety, a worry gripped him. And David forgot his past. He couldn't see the future, and then he forgot his past. That's what happened in that moment with that false thought. He forgot God's help and rescue in the past, and he forgot that there is a time for everything. It wasn't time for him to rule yet, but God had promised. It was still his time, David's time, to be uprooted, to be on the move. David forgot God's promise for the future, a promise that he could trust. David, I've anointed you to be king, to be shepherd of my people. I didn't do that without reason. It's going to come to pass. God had anointed him king, and it was going to happen. When the fear and anxiety reached to grip David, if at that moment he could have only remembered his past and trusted the promise for the future, he could have rejected that false thought. The outcome of things would have been much different. You can go back and read the story, but there's a little domino effect of trouble that happened. It ends up with all his men wanting to stone David. He was, he was in a perilous moment again. Well, again, God chose his mercy and God is good. But what I'm saying here is that what we think and what we believe can alter what we experience. What we believe and think can alter whether we experience peace and joy or if we experience fear and chasing after the wind. Belief is important. Belief changes your outcome. Belief changes your destination. Uh, Let's take a look again at the words of Ecclesiastes through the lens of Jesus' words from his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes after these things that produce worry and anxiety in us. He goes after them by revealing the truth about the Father and His Father's heart towards us. He says this, Matthew 6, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body or what you'll wear. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? You know, in this brief passage of just about eight sentences, Jesus tells us to do something three times. You know what it is? Do not worry. You know, my youngest son, he's, he's trying to gain the habit of reading God's Word, and he's found that uh, at times, uh, if he reads it out loud, it helps him to process it and really think about it instead of just, it's just words. And so maybe, uh, maybe right here in this moment, we just need to say out loud uh, Jesus' words uh, maybe so we can think and process it a little better. So what I'd like to say is just say the simple sentence, do not worry. And Jesus told us three times, so let's say it three times, okay? Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. That's Jesus' words to us. Do not worry. Why? Because your Father 
cares for you. Your Father knows. Jesus is going after the false thought that might try to grip your heart. And he's going after that false thought by letting you know your heavenly Father sees you as valuable, more valuable than the birds he takes care of each day. God cares for you. God sees you. God has not forgotten you. Jesus is also attacking the fear of the future. You are alive at this moment. Each one of us here. We got breath in our lungs and we're sitting here. The blood's flowing through our bodies. Heart's pumping. Minds are thinking. God has brought us to this point. He's not done with us. Obviously, there are still some of God's purposes for your life and my life that He still wants to accomplish. So He's got a reason for us here. Yes, we don't know the future, but God cares for you and worry is not going to add one single hour to your life because God holds all life in His hands. And if God has brought you to this point, will He not also carry you forward into the future, whatever the future holds? And will He not do that with His utmost care, just like He cares for the little birds? You know what Jesus' resounding answer to that is? Yes! Yes, He will! He cares for you, and He's going to carry you into the future. Well, there's one more thing about the future that bugs us. And there's one thing, again, that comes after us, and it comes through our nature that tricks us into what we think we need or what we think we want. And it's that whole thing of keeping up with the Joneses. Jesus speaks to that also, you know, right in this passage. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we wear or drink? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The pagans run after all these things. Now, Jesus' use of this word isn't quite the way we use it in Asheville. So, you know, here in Asheville, we might think Wiccans, earth religions, but pagan, as Jesus was using it, uh, just meant anybody who didn't trust in God, anybody who didn't follow Yahweh's ways. Jesus said that those who don't trust in God chase after the needed things in life as if there is nothing else to pursue in life. They pursue those needed things as if there's nothing else to pursue in life. But what does Jesus say about that? He says, you know what? There is something else to pursue in life. But the, this pursuit that the pagans go after, go after, it causes a, I'm going to make up a word, frantic, franticness. I don't think that's a word, but it will do for right now. There's a franticness that it causes, and, and it, there's an anxiety that's caused by these things. In our American culture, it escalates beyond basic needs uh, because of just the excessive possessions that we have in our society that identify uh, uh, marks of the good life, and we want the good life. And so, but Jesus says that there's something better to pursue than these marks of the good life. That it's not connected, and, and it's not connected to anxiety nor keeping up with the Joneses. Jesus said it's better to pursue God the Father's kingdom and God the Father's righteousness. That this is the priority in our pursuit. It comes first. But just like the audiences that were listening to Jesus at that moment, 
The same thing happens with us, us listeners today, when we hear those words. We ask the same question. It's a logical question. We go, but what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me if I actually pursue the kingdom first, God's righteousness first, how do I, how does that work? How do I take care of things? How is my family provided for? What, how does that work? And the question that comes to us is a question of time. Is there really a time for everything? Jesus says, yes. Yes, with a priority list. First, seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these other things that the pagans chase after, they'll be taken care of. You know, we wonder about that because many of us believe that the 24 hours isn't enough time in a day. I mean, how many of us are saying, man, I wish I had more time. I wish more time to get my work done. I wish I had more time to be with my family. I wish I had more time to spend with my neighbors. I wish I had more time to spend with my extended family. I wish I had more time. seems like there's never enough time. But what God has given is time enough. 24 hours a day is enough. There is a promise here that requires your belief. And if you trust this promise, there will be time enough. If you give yourself to pursuing the kingdom first, there will be time for the rest, all the other needs. Jesus says, your heavenly Father knows you need these things. Now, I know that there's, there's a whole other discussion here on what is really needed. I mean, that may not include the make of your car. It may not have to do with how much square footage your house is. It, it may not have to do with the type of labels on your clothes or whether your food is gourmet or frozen dinner. Jesus said it was about need, your needs. But the big thing here that you can buy into the false thought. You can buy into that false thought that you have to chase after all that stuff. The false thought is that there isn't enough time for the kingdom. The false thought is based on fear of the future. Or you can switch that around and you can simply believe Jesus' words and trust what Jesus says about the Father. And you can remove anxiety and worry, and you can just drop kick that out of your life. That's what you can do. Here, there's a little example here I've, I've used before, and uh, I, want to, I want again, so for those of you who uh, have seen this before, you go get your own jar, and you start doing this and showing this to your family and to your friends, okay? So what I have here is I, I have what's supposed to be a jar of beans, and walnuts, but I gave away my jar. I, I shared it with somebody, and then I uh, gave it away. And when I went to the store, they, it's hard to find walnuts and shells any longer, so I got kiwi. So it's kiwi and beans. And right now, um, what we're talking about, these, these little beans, they represent all those things the pagans chase after. You know, the, the label on the clothes, the make of your car. These beans include maybe uh, the square footage of your house. Maybe it includes the certain neighborhood you live in. Maybe it includes 
I don't know. Maybe it's the position or title that you want that will make you feel like you have significance in life instead of the significance that comes from God. And uh, so you pursue after all those things first. You put them in your little life, your jar, your container. That's you. You put it in there, and then you go, oh, look, I got all my beans. I got my beans now. I, I got what I wanted in life. So now, oh, I don't want to forget those things like love and joy and those moments with my family. And, and maybe, you know, uh, you know, that peace that comes with what I do in, in work. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, that's not fitting. Well, and then there was uh, just, just some of that love that comes with just the important people in my life. And I, I don't have time for that either. And look, it just doesn't fit. Is this kind of what a lot of our world is saying? There just isn't time? I don't have room for it? Because I have to go after these things I need. These things I need. Well, you know what? Jesus says, if you do things his way and prioritize this and put first things first, the kingdom, the Father's kingdom, pursue it in his righteousness, pursue the things that come from him in his kingdom, in his spirit, love, joy, peace, and patience, and those that you share that with in your family, extended family and friends. Then he says, you know what? All these other things, the beings in life, they'll be added to you as well. Whoop, all right, lost one bean, sorry. And, all right, I got to do a little shake it up here. Sometimes this happens in life too, get shook up. Things settle in. And, uh, hey, there you go. That's a good one, Michelle, I like that, all right. So, um, you know what? When you do it the Lord's way, there is room for it all. There is time for everything. There is time for everything when the kingdom comes first. But if you reverse it, you'll find yourself frustrated. You'll find yourself with anxiety and worry that you won't have a time for everything. And I just want you to know, God's way still works. It works today in the 21st century. Jesus said the Father knows what you need. Jesus says the Father sees you as more valuable than the birds and the flowers that he gives his daily care to. Jesus says, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. So you have a choice of what you're going to believe. You have a choice of belief. And what you choose to believe will determine your outcome. Whether you will live with anxiety or worry or live with peace as you work. And I know that for many of you, you've never thought, you never thought that when you encountered worry or an anxiety in your life, that it was really a concern about belief, that it had to do with belief, or that you could find the antidote to that worry by changing your belief. So the next time a thought grips you, a thought, a false thought of how you should act in the future. Here's some questions I'd really like you to assess that thought. And, and Nate's going to come on up here and, and continue to lead us in worship. But here's, here's a question you can ask about those false thoughts that might come at you. Does this thought to act take into, a God, into account God's faithfulness to me in the past? When you go and look back in your journal entries, 
Has God been faithful? Has He provided for you up to this point? Has He taken care of you? Don't forget the past as you look ahead. And remember God's faithfulness in the past. Second thing you need to ask yourself about a thought that might come at you. Is this thought based on fear that my future needs, the needs of tomorrow, won't be met by God? Is it all dependent on you? Is there anything dependent on God about your future needs? If so, there's a choice of belief that needs to happen. Third thing, does this thought assume that there isn't enough time? I mean, you look at it logically. You try to map it out. You try to do your time assessment for your week, and you record everything you do, and you go, look, there's not enough time. Jesus says differently. It's a matter of choice, a matter of belief. And then the last thing you need to ask is, does this thought to to act put the Father's kingdom first or second? If it's asking you to put it second, I'm telling you, it's just going to result in more anxiety and worry. If it puts the kingdom first, I think you're going to find there's enough time. All right. Let's go ahead and let's stand together. I want to pray. And we're going to worship. And our response to the Word of God is worship today. All right. Heavenly Father, in these next few moments, I pray that you would show us areas in our life where worry and anxiety dominate us. And Lord, we know that you are the new ruler in our lives, the king over our hearts, not worry. And so, Father, we want you to be the true king. So show us, Lord, where maybe there may be a false thought that we've chosen to believe about time, about the future, about the Father. And Lord, I pray that you'd show us how to choose belief instead of fear, to choose faith instead of anxiety. So, Father, in these moments, as we offer our worship to you, Lord, may we also offer you the worship of choice. And that may, may we choose in such a way that honors you with the worship of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.